today, students are taking an average of 21 years to pay off a bachelor's degree. And the average debt that most students have is in the low $30,000. For somebody just coming out of college, that's a good amount of money. What I found in my research is that about 30% of college students do not have college debt. So my goal was to figure out what is it that they're doing differently. Welcome to Personal Finance Cat, where I share my personal take on personal finance. Hi, Denise. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming to speak with me. So you have a very amazing journey about college. You mentioned on your website that you had to overcome a lot of financial obstacles growing up, but you were able to help your two kids go to college without paying anything. If anything, they probably got paid to go to college. So can you share more about the pivotal moments that led you to the commitment to help parents and their children navigate the complex higher education? Absolutely. Well, I started off like most families do, you know, if, if a parent went to college, even one parent, uh, it's pretty much assumed throughout your life as a child, you're going to college. It's just a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, many families who are immigrants come here and whether or not they had any university experience in their country, in their home country or not, their expectation for their children is to go to college. Yep. And I want to say for the last three decades, we have been as a society uh, proclaiming that you have to get a college degree. Well, you know, we, we know that's not a requirement. We, we know that people are very successful without that. So I'm going to just leave that out there. Um, but when I was growing up, I did not realize that we were poor. Uh, no one said we can't afford that. No, you can't have that because we can't afford it or we're poor. Pretty much just the opposite. We may do with what we had. And uh, for example, uh, on, on trash night, my dad would say, hey, Denise, want to come take a ride? See if anybody's got any good trash. It was a game. Let's see what they got. Let's see if anybody's got to leave, leave anything out that we can pick up and fix. Or That's how we got rocking chairs, bicycles, lawnmowers, desks, you name it. Because people would toss stuff out that was pretty darn good. And it's like, I think I'll take that and fix it and make it my own or whatever. So my dad was really handy like that. So that was really helpful. But I never thought we were poor. It wasn't until the summer between high school, uh, junior and senior year, that the topic of paying for college came up. Now, all along my whole life, it's been when you go to college, when you go to college. Nobody ever said if you go to college. So it was just assumed. But no one talked about paying for college. So the topic came up, and I distinctly rem remember my mother saying, oh, no, we're not paying for you to go to college. That's all on you. I was the oldest of four. And that just like, and come on, teenagers, I'm sorry. Teenagers live in their own world. We don't know as kids that our parents are struggling. It's not a topic of conversation with your children. So I suddenly realized, because I can do math in my head, I realized all of those Taco Bell and Burger King lunches and dinners I had been eating almost every single day because I had a job, 
I realized how much money that I was blowing. Plus, I had been working since age 14 and blew every dime. If somebody had told me early on that I was going to have to pay for college, I might have saved some of it, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my first experience. Moving forward, I did attend college. I attended college on the Pell Grant. It is a federal grant, not a loan, uh, for students of low-income families. Now, here's the thing, though. People think that because you're poor, you get to go to college for free. That's not true. Yes, the Pell Grant has a chunk of change, but that chunk of change doesn't cover everything. It's intended to cover your local regional school tuition. That's it. It's not covering room and board or books or travel expenses or anything else you might need for college. So although I had the Pell Grant, I had to work three jobs to make ends meet to cover everything else. In the end, I took six years to go to school and get my degree, and uh, I ended up with one student loan for $10,000. That was it. That's all I had was ten grand. Now, back then, ten grand was still a lot of money, but you signed on the dotted line, and you were going to pay it off in 10 years, and by golly, you worked your booty off, and you paid it off in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Today, students are taking an average of 21 years to pay off a bachelor's degree. And the average debt that most students have is in the low $30,000. Now, for somebody in their 40s and 50s and 60s, that's a car note today. No big deal. For somebody just coming out of college, that's, that's a good amount of money. That's $400 plus per month out of their paycheck. And especially if a student gets a job that's in the lower income values, it's going to be a lot harder. So I got out of college. My husband got out of college. We're working. We're doing well. We're putting some money aside. We're we're buying a house here and there. We're doing well. Fast forward, I've got children now. And we said the same thing to our kids. When you go to college, never was there an if you go to college. But just like my parents, we were repeating it. There was no college fund. Yeah, I thought about it now and then, but we never talked about it. We never put any money aside for college fund. Well, just before my daughter was about to start high school, she was about 12, 12 and a half years old, my husband was laid off from his corporate job. Okay. We had just built a house. I put the house on the market. We got no job. We still got to pay bills. What are we going to do? Luckily, he was able to get another job pretty quickly. So I felt like I could breathe. But I was smart enough to know we cannot keep this house. And this was our dream home. This is, you know, we thought we were going to retire in this house. But, you know, it is what it is. So he gets his second job and then gets laid off again. And then the stock market crashed. See, we had not paid attention to what was happening, happening, you know, like in the world around us. We were living in our nice, comfortable, cushy bubble and just doing our own thing and, you know, minding our own business and not realizing that this was coming. With the stock market crash 
and no job now. We lost more than half of our 401k. So we had to use what was left in the 401k and what was left in savings to continue paying bills because I do that. I pay bills. We don't not pay bills. And at some point I realized, you know, the money's running out. The house didn't sell mm-hmm. uh, because again, it's an economy thing. So we had no choice but to declare bankruptcy. And the bankruptcy was liquidation. If you could touch it, it was sold. Books, toys, Christmas decorations, furniture, pots and pans. Most of us have experienced a garage sale in our lifetime. But this was literally having strangers walk into my home, making an offer on the pot I was cooking my dinner in. I had to put my dinner in a container, clean out the pot, and sell my $200 Magnolite pot for $5. It was a wedding gift, but everything had to go. The hardest part, though, is that we had two dogs. And because we had to move into a small apartment, you can't take the two dogs. So they had to move on to a new owner. And I'll never forget my kids running into the house crying as our dogs were driven away. Mm. That was probably the hardest part of the whole thing. We had, when we hired the bankruptcy attorney, we had just enough to pay him. By the way, bankruptcy attorneys are not free. You got to pay for that. Uh, So we had just enough to cover him and buy a lawnmower and trailer so we could put food on the table. So we're in a new apartment that allows us to keep the lawnmower and trailer on property. And I want to say about three or four months after being in this new apartment, I realized my daughter is starting high school. College is literally around the corner. How are we going to pay for this? We have no savings, no 401k to borrow against, no house to borrow equity from, And that bankruptcy means we can't co-sign for those student loans everyone loves to talk about. You know, we hear a lot about student loans, especially, you know, every two years during the political cycle, (laughs) it becomes a political football. But what they don't tell you is that your kids can only get a very, very small amount of loan on their own. The rest requires a co-signer. The co-signer, parents, and grandparents. But that bankruptcy took even student loans off the table for us. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to get our kids to go to college? I started doing the research, and I realized there, there had to be a way. There just, just had to be. There had to be. You know, we think, okay, Kids who have no money, they're broke, they get to go to college for free. No, they don't. Uh, Student athletes, they go to college for free. No, they don't. That was three decades ago. Not anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Really smart kids, perfect GPA, perfect test scores, get to go to college for free. Honey, they get rejected from colleges every single day. That's not enough. So how do you do it? What I found in my research is that 
about 30% of college students do not have college debt. So my goal was to figure out what is it that they're doing differently. Sure, some of them cover those little segments I mentioned, but that's really rare. Mm -hmm. The vast majority had some things in common, some common threads. And being a logical person, I figured if it sounded logical that it would impact college admissions or winning scholarships, maybe we were going to do it. And that's what we did. That became our process. Here's the things we're going to do. Number one, we start early. Everybody who is making this happen, as a general rule, is starting early. Anyone who doesn't start until junior, senior year and is lucky enough to make this happen is literally lucky enough to make this happen. So in the end, in putting all this together for both of my kids, by the way, I homeschooled my kids all the way through from kindergarten through high school. Oh, wow. Um, my two kids, between the two of them, they attended on 17 scholarships, totaling more than $199,000. Wow. My daughter, no debt, $4,000 left over when she graduated. Awesome. My son had $10,000 left over when he graduated. Wow. When they, I mean, if you think about it, and yes, you have to work for this. This, is, this doesn't come to you on a silver platter, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, I remember talking about this once on a stage in California, and a mom came up to me afterward and said, oh, your kids must be geniuses because my kid applied to 40 scholarships and won none. Mm -hmm. And my heart sank because what I forgot to say is that literally half, $100,000 worth of scholarships, did not ask for GPA or test scores. Hmm. Anybody can do this. So I really thought this was just, you know, a fluke. Yes, we were desperate. And we worked our buns off. And no, before someone thinks, we did not get these scholarships because my kids, because we had no money. By the time my kids were making, winning these scholarships, that lawn mowing company was making six figures. Hmm. So no, this was not a low income scholarship thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it really was. Matter of fact, I because I was so... In, in deeply involved in the research, and I do mean deeply involved with my kids on this, I didn't even know how much money they had won. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until my son graduated from high school that both of the kids got together and added up how much money they had won. Mm -hmm. And then at his graduation ceremony, my two kids got up and spoke, and they announced how much money they had won. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I wasn't just as much shocked as everyone else because, okay, great. Apply a scholarship. And because as soon as you apply, honey, we're not even, you hit send. We don't even think about that one anymore. You keep moving on. Yeah. And it wasn't until they announced it that I realized how much money they actually had come away with. Yeah. Wow. That was an awesome story. So there's so much to unpack there. So I see in the background, you have that um, cracking the code to free college. So what is, the code sounds like you just apply for a lot 
And is there some sort of science to that, though? There is. Um, you know, when, when I thought about what is it that we're doing, how, how is it that this is working, you know, in this strategy? Um, what we do is we begin with your teens, what I like to call their personal brand. Mm -hmm. What are their character traits and their values? You know, when we think about a brand for a company, we think about colors and logo. Okay, fine. But every individual has a brand. Mm -hmm. Your brand is how people feel when you walk into a room, when you're in their circle. How do you make them feel? How do they feel about you being there? That's your teen's personal brand. It's very important to understand what that is. Colleges, scholarship committees, employers, they all want to know that you're a good fit with their values as well. So understanding your child, understanding their values is just as important. We also talk about activities, extracurriculars, community service, but it's in light of those values and character traits with regard to what colleges are actually looking for. However, not the jack of all trades or the well-rounded student. We still hear that. That's three decades old information, and yet I still hear parents and counselors repeat it. That is not what colleges are looking for. We also develop the resume that your child will just literally copy and paste to their college applications. It's going to be ready to go. But what we're doing within that resume is we're finding the thread that is woven throughout your teen's high school years. What makes your teen tick? What is it that at, that's at the core of who they are? That's what colleges, scholarship committees, and employers are looking for. I say employers because it took me a while to figure out everything that we're doing in this course is not just for college. It actually works identically for those going into the workforce. We also cover things like your essay, choosing the right college, and much more. When I asked a former student who had won a bunch of scholarships and all, I said, what do you feel is different? What makes the difference between what we're doing in Cracking the Code to Free College and basically everything else out there? She said, it's the difference between Six Flags and Disney World. They both have the same components, rides, food, entertainment. But Disney does two things differently, marketing and storytelling. That is exactly what we're doing in Cracking the Code to Free College. We are marketing your teen to the colleges, telling the story of who they are. Recently, I got around to looking at the statistics of how my students and families were working and comparing those stats to the national statistics for those winning scholarships and going to college debt-free. Nationally, only one in eight students wins a scholarship. Only 
0.3% of college students have enough scholarships to cover their entire cost of attendance. Even fewer get paid to go to college, have cash left over. But of those who are doing the cracking the code to free college system, 100% win scholarships. And 31% have enough scholarships to cover their entire cost of attendance. This is literally 1,000 times the statistics of what the, what's going on nationally. So it's pretty phenomenal that this really works. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, especially nowadays, I think you cited some statistics earlier on about how much student loan an average student gets. From what I know, we all have way more than that, especially for those who go to professional schools. So this is certainly very, very Absolutely. interesting. Yeah. You mentioned there's a course, right? So how do you... Yes. How do you sort of help those parents and students in this course or some other tools that you have? Well, what I do is I interview families before they sign up because I want to make sure that they're a good fit for cracking the code to free college. There are certain things that we must be on the same page about. Uh, for example, we both parents and both parents and students and myself have to have the same goals for their children. We have to have the same mindset. Uh, for example, I do turn families down because if, let's say, for example, if I ask the question, how does your son feel about student loans? Oh, well, Johnny feels that, you know, everybody has college debt, so he'll probably have some college debt. Well, guess what? He will have college debt, and it's not a good fit. I'm not your coach. Now, I'm happy to, uh, you know, to hand you off to someone else who might be a better fit because I know a lot of people in the industry. But there are just certain things to know that we have to be on the same page. So the parents in Cracking the Code to Free College are the parents who are eager to have the knowledge and then to act on that knowledge to make things happen for their kids. Yeah, because you mentioned building the brand, which is very interesting. I've never heard about applying the brand concept in applying for college. So are there certain themes in sort of the brand? Because I think you said, which I agree, the well-roundedness is no longer, I think, something that sets you apart. So what are some of the themes of the brands these students can make for themselves? It can be literally anything. And that's what makes it so much fun. Uh, when I have parents that start with their kids, you know, I'm going to call it younger or, or earlier when most, than most people believe, mm -hmm. when we're starting in middle school, uh, the middle school years are really for figuring it out, for offering your child opportunities to try different things. And I even give you a list of, oh, there's probably, I don't know, maybe even a hundred ideas of I'm going to call it almost typical things that high school kids could, could end up doing as their primary activity. And what we're looking for is what is it that lights up your child? You know, what puts that, that spark in their eye that if that thing were not there, it wouldn't be the same child. And it can be more than one thing. You know, I've had kids that were 
really big into martial arts, had been doing martial arts since they were three years old. But they also loved to cook. And so they, they did cooking contests and they won, you know, regional and state cooking contests. And then they would go off and, and utilize that cooking thing that they love to do. And they'd make a business out of it, whether they were selling something or being a private chef for someone. There's just all kind of options that we need to start thinking outside the box as parents and offering our kids those opportunities. It's kind of like when your children are younger, there's, it, it always comes up. The topic always comes up. Should we give our kids an allowance? Eh, it depends. But even if you give your kid an allowance just for being a kid or just for being part of the household and doing, quote, your chores, you should also consider upping the ante a little bit, ha giving them the opportunity to come up with, on their own, things they see need to be done that they can fill that need. That becomes entrepreneurship. That is what entrepreneurship is. It's finding a need and filling that solution. Employers are looking for people who, if something is not quite right within the company, they don't come to the boss with a complaint. They come to the boss with a solution. So again, there's just so many things that we talk about, and the earlier we can do this, the better with your children is to have them be able to seek these opportunities with parent permission, obviously, you know, um, I often say, okay, so the list even includes things like paragliding or something like that. Well, the kid might think, oh yeah, check that box. That's cool. Parent going, uh-uh, that's an X on mine, <laughs> right? So they, they both have to be on the same page, not only, you know, safety or comfort wise, but Financially, not everything is a go when it comes to what's it going to cost me to do that, right? Um, and not everything has to cost money. When I was raising my kids, we had a, you know, I only had two. My mom had four kids she had to deal with. But with two kids, I realized real quick, one kid doing ballet, gymnastics, and softball in the same season Oh my God, I'm running myself ragged. And you don't want to do that. And you don't want to do that for your kids either. So in my family, we had a rule. You had one paid thing that you could do. And of course, there were limitations, but there's one paid thing you could do. And then everything else had to be a free thing. And some of those free things might include volunteer work. You might be too old to be a participant in your church's Awana or VBS program, but you are old enough to participate as a volunteer. And, you, you know, having a list of things that you are just a member of is not the goal because you're not getting anything out of that. You really do have to participate in ways that allow you to grow so that you can also not just have, quote, the right list, but you have the right story behind these things that you're doing. We're, again, we are finding that thread. Uh, I'll give you another example. Um, one of the students, this is, it's, it's an off-the-wall example, but it works. 
he was on the school bus. He noticed that the windshield of the school bus was fogging over to the point where the bus driver really was trying to see. And so he took out, I kid you not, a clean handkerchief and wiped the windshield in front of the best bus driver. Well, the bus driver asked, I need to talk to your mother because I have a son. I need to <laughs> figure out how to train him to do these kinds of things. But it's seeing a problem and finding the solution and being part of that solution. And, uh, you know, things like that get around. Bus driver tells the teacher on duty. Teacher on duty tells the high school counselor. High school counselor writes it in their counselor's letter hmm. for their letter of recommendation. Yeah. It's the little things. And it just one moment at a time but the earlier you start and start paying attention to these little things that occur man it's a blast it really is fun yeah definitely sounds like it so how early should kids start because i have a five-year-old and eight-year-old is that too early or what do you think well the funny thing is private scholarships for college actually begin in kindergarten Oh, wow. There's only one. Uh, but, and, and that one, I'll tell you, here's your freebie. It's called <laughs> the Doodle for Google Scholarship. Ah, right. It's $1,000. The Doodle for Google Scholarship. Okay. And it goes anywhere from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. It's actually an international scholarship. They, they're, it's segmented. You're not competing against kids in other countries. And kindergartens are not competing against 12th graders. But if you've ever used Google Chrome on your computer, mm -hmm. sometimes you'll see around the Google logo will be drawings or pictures. Some kid won $1,000 for that. Ah, okay. So again, we're not stressing out our kids by, quote, starting early. Starting early gives them opportunities to start building that college kitty. Uh, mm -hmm. Starting early spreads out all that stress that everybody else has right in the middle of the thick of things at senior year. I mean, right now we happen to be early senior year. We're, we're early in the fall, mid fall, and kids are freaking out. Trust me. I have seen some on Facebook where they haven't even started applying for colleges yet. And I'm looking at my calendar going, you are missing the boat. You're leaving money on the table. The idea of starting early really as a parent, even with a five-year-old, is to offer opportunities. I was talking about my daughter to another person recently, and she said, oh, my gosh, because she had kids both senior all the way down to little kids. She said, you really uh, expanded your children's opportunities. I said, well, because they were they're doing things that are out of the ordinary. You know, you, you've got um, uh, a kid that loves ballroom dancing, for example. You know, well, yeah, that's kind of out of the box. Not a lot of kids are going to be doing that. Um, but a lot of kids are in their church youth group. What are they doing in their youth group? And if you think about what kind of things you can offer your kid, if there was a tea room that you can get to within an hour drive, take your little kid to a tea room. Have them experience some of these finer things. My daughter, I think, was 
maybe six years old when we took her to her first ballet, professional ballet. Mm. We got box seats. It was a once a year type of event, you know, uh, a vacation for us. And we just went to the, I think it was the Houston ballet. We would go to, you know, fly to Florida to, uh, or drive to, to Texas. And that was the thing that we did that we give our children a chance to see some of these and, and experience some of these finer things. Um, I think my son was maybe 12 when I took him to an opera. Mm. And look, these things don't have to cost a buttload of money. Do not think you have to pay 60, 100, $200 to take per person to go see some of these things. Think outside the box. Ask, do they offer rehearsal seats to go watch during rehearsal? We were able to take our kids. Uh, okay, so that opera was like five bucks oh, wow. because it was something that you could take um, kids to see. It was just a one. It was a one once a month thing they did or whatever. You know, get on their their list. Get on their email list. Find out about these things. Make a phone call for God's sakes, because mm -hmm. you may be able to get a group of kids together, some families together to do that. Uh, we had um, the orchestra in New Orleans, the New Orleans Orchestra had rehearsals at a specific location it was like one of these large churches that had a big you know auditorium and whatnot and for five bucks you can go and watch their rehearsal that for whatever performance was coming up you don't have to spend a ton of money mm -hmm. just see what's available out there um and, and i will mention as homeschoolers we had more opportunities i think than a lot of other kids did or do and the reason for that is a we think about these things and we as parents know that it's up to us if our kids are going on a field trip uh we can't count on someone else wanting to do that and and organizing a field trip for example if i want my kid to experience a particular museum or um i don't know a, a particular event going on i'm gonna have to make that a field trip I can make a phone call. Hey, I'm with a homeschool group. Um, we'd love to do a field trip to your location. What, what, are, what are the things we need to know? What's possible, et cetera. Our kids took field trips to police stations, mm -hmm. uh, to forensics labs, to news stations, grocery stores. It's offering your kid opportunities. And when you have young kids who, who at this moment are not spending all freaking day in school and then all night doing homework that's your opening so basically you should have from age five all the way through middle school to experience some of these opportunities because even though they're in school till probably three o'clock mm -hmm. your kids don't have to do middle school elementary school should not be doing homework all night long something's wrong with that picture if they are okay figure it out because that's not a necessity if we as homeschoolers don't even need that much time for our kids to do college level work, like literally going to a college class of two or three, um, then you sure as heck don't need to be doing it in elementary and middle school. But find opportunities. Look around. When you're driving, keep your eyes open. What's available? Is there a nature walk, a nature trail? Just find opportunities for your kids. It's really amazing. And as you're doing these things, Pay attention to their reaction to things. What lights them up? 
what do they have an interest in? And don't ask the question, oh, you're interested in that? Let's do a class. No, you noticed they're interested. You go ahead and create an opportunity for them to learn more about that thing. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just you as a parent are your kid's best teacher. Mm -hmm. And that includes finances. And I'm so glad that personal finance cat you know, is available for families. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Do you have any tips for full-time working professionals? Because both my husband and I work full-time. We're trying to expose them to a lot of activities, but it's pretty much restricted to weekends and um, holidays in the summer, especially. Do you have any tips for, for those people like us? Well, it is. And, and yeah, it is certainly possible to do a lot of things on weekends and during the holiday seasons. Um, I've been asked, how do you, can you homeschool with a full-time job? Yes, you can. Mm. You actually can, especially in the younger years. Um, there's just a lot of possibilities. Uh, again, part of it is just asking, you know, uh, if, if you want your five-year-old and a couple of their five-year-old friends to get kind of the behind the scenes look at a grocery store, ask, hey, we, we're, we're a group of families that are, are the parents work full time, talk to the manager, the parents work full time. Can we do something maybe, you know, a little field trip to get the behind the scenes of the grocery store for our kids, maybe on a Thursday evening, would that be possible? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you just have to ask and see what might might be possible for your kids. Uh, don't don't negate online opportunities as well. Uh, I, I still hear a few families that were impacted greatly during COVID where their kid pretty much lost a year mm -hmm. of education. I understand that. But <clears throat> during that time, colleges want to know, what did you do with it? You know, 2020 to 2022 is still within the realm of what people who are applying to colleges this year and next year will have to deal with. Mm -hmm. What did you do during that time? Hopefully you did not sit on your butt and play video games 24 hours for two years. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, some did, but it wasn't a requirement. Oh, well, football, we didn't have football. Okay. You can play chess. Mm -hmm. You can have an online chess team. You, you just created a chess club. You're the president now of the chess club. And you can put that on your resume. I mean, there's art classes online that are free. You, look, YouTube, you can learn how to do anything on YouTube. Yeah. Right? All kind of opportunities and opportunities for children as well. Uh, so, you know, there's just, there's just things you have to think about. And I know my husband and I always... Um, owned a business, even though he worked a job, we always owned a business while we we're married as well. And it is tough to do work and then be exhausted coming home from work. And then now we have to do something else with the kid. But if you can set aside one evening a week, if something has to happen during the evening, if they can't do it on the weekends, um, part of it is just a knowing the possibilities and B being willing to organize your day to make it happen. Yeah. Great tips. So maybe let's switch gears a little bit. 
you were a TEDx speaker, and I think you still do public speaking engagements. And then you also have a book. You're an international best-selling author. So can you talk about those experiences and what messages you usually kind of contain in those、um, media? Well, you know, a lot, of course, depends on where I'm speaking.、Uh, I speak at a lot of conferences for very specific topics and messages.、Mm-hmm. For example, for middle school, it's a very important topic in the cracking the code to free college process. But most families believe that middle school is just a pass through from. Elementary school to high school. Yeah, there's a lot of maturing and some growing up to do during those middle school years, but there's also a lot that we miss unless you're aware of the process.、Uh, for homeschools, I also talk about how to write the scholarship-winning transcript. A lot of、uh, families who don't homeschool don't realize that when you're homeschooling in high school, the parent writes the transcript. Uh, the parent is the high school counselor, so they are re- they are required to submit a high school counselor's report.、Um, and some of those tasks can be a little bit confusing. And the reason is that,、uh, for example, a lot of high school transcripts today, the back of the transcript will have some of, list of some of the activities that the child participated in during high school. So if they were part of yearbook club or, you know. The school's magazine editor, whatever those things will be listed on the back. Homeschool families, unfortunately, have a habit of wanting to give credit for everything that the child does well and does a lot of. Doesn't mean you can't, but the question is, should you? For example, a kid who loves automotive stuff. And he's on YouTube constantly, figuring out how to do things. He works on the family cars. He works on the neighbors' cars. Blah blah blah. The question comes up: Can I put automotive as an elective on my child's transcript? Yes, you can.、But、the question is: Should you? Here's the thing: Colleges don't care about your electives at all. A lot of colleges. Don't even use the grades from your kids' electives when they're recalculating your child's GPA. They only use the core classes.、Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, if the college doesn't care about your electives, then putting them there, putting automotive or whatever in the electives, is not to your child's advantage. What you really want is to put that in the list. Uh, I call it the resume portion, but there's a small section of about ten lines on the application that you can fill with your child's activities. That's where you want to put that. That's where it's important. We're talking about it within the essays as well. So we go through a lot of different things like that.、Um, I talk about how to write the scholarship-winning transcript,、um, how to continue homeschooling your kid if you want to work. How does that work?、Uh, just a lot of different things within the realm of homeschooling or educating, as well as how to find scholarships, which is a pretty fun topic as well. So I also noticed that you have some special dedication to support the military veterans because of your father's experience. Can you tell us more about for that specific community? What are the opportunities? 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're a very patriotic family. We say we bleed red, white, and blue. My dad was in the army, my son-in-law in the Navy. And between my uncles, I think we've covered most, if not all of the U.S. military. Wow, so great. supporting, thank you. So supporting our, our military families is very important to me. Um, most, I've found most non-military families, most of the non-military population believes that the military gets free college through the GI Bill. That's not exactly true. There is an option for one person to use for four years. It's like credits, I think is how they call it in certain divisions. But basically you get four years for one person. But if the parent has used it for their own education, there's nothing left for the kids. Oh, wow. They're not getting anything for that. Mm. Now, let's say the parent did not use it. Maybe the parent uh, did not use the GI Bill for their own education, and now we have these four credits or these four years for one person. If they have one child, they can use it for that one child. If they have more than one child, they can either divide it amongst the kids or you get to choose one kid who gets it all. Mm-hmm. So, and personally, I don't believe that military gets paid nearly enough for what they do. So to help out our U.S. military, both active duty and veterans get cracking the code to free college at an extremely low price. I do everything I can to help our military families. I even have a payment plan, even for the low price. Uh, it's just something that I want to be able to do to give back. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it, it's veterans and active duty. And a lot of people are like, wait, veterans too? Yes, even veterans. Uh, it's, it's important to me, definitely. That's awesome. You also have a podcast and a YouTube channel. Can you talk about what topics you cover? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a quick background i'm old er <laughs> and i still believe that it takes a village to raise a family that's the way it was back in the day and i still believe that to be true today it's old school and as such it takes more than just a gpa and test scores and a little bit of college information to create a successful student mm-hmm. the debt free degree podcast and youtube channel hosts various experts whose expertise results in student success in some way. Now that could be family relationships. Your kid's not going to be successful if all hell is breaking loose in the family home. Mindset. That's a big issue today, especially after COVID. It was bad before that. It's crazy now. Hmm. Kids today don't believe in themselves. And that is a a terrible thing to have come out of that event. Health is another thing that I bring in as well. Uh, People don't realize how much the food you eat eat impacts 
your cognitive ability, how your child becomes logical and can retain information, uh, and any number of topics like that. It's, it's very important to, for me to cover these topics. It's really been interesting. I thought, well, because I'm not, quote, sticking to the college theme all the time, maybe I'm going to get a little pushback, but it's really just the opposite. I get a lot of really good feedback from families that say, I really needed that piece, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's really interesting. I, I didn't have any, you know, uh, desire or uh, plan for this to go global because literally everything that I teach is for U.S. citizens. But a few years ago, after starting my podcast, I noticed it was ranking in Finland. I'm like, Finland? Why? You know? And somebody mentioned, well, there's probably some expats living there that they, you know, want their kids when they're old enough or grandkids when they're old enough to come to the U.S. and have college. Okay, that makes sense. And over the years, my podcast has ranked in six different countries. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, You would think that most of what I'm talking about only is for U.S. citizens, and for the most part, it is. Mm-hmm. But I have talked with families from other countries, Africa, Australia, Canada, who are sending their kids to U.S. And although I don't take them into the Cracking the Code to Free College program, because I can't, not that I guarantee, I don't guarantee results, but the results are there. Um, I just don't know enough about the results for international students to be able to rely on that kind of success, on that same kind of success. So instead of having them in my program, I offer them an hour of my time and I will tell them everything they need to know about getting their kid accepted with scholarships in the U.S., And every single time, those kids have won scholarships, sometimes enough to cover everything. So it's been pretty fun. Yeah, that's great. And do you have any other thoughts you want to share in general about this college debt topic? Because it's kind of a political topic now, like everything else. And I feel like there's a crisis of some sort brewing. So how do you think your initiative is helping maybe the broader kind of college debt issue? Well, I certainly hope that that the success that I'm having with this course is having an impact on such on the low national numbers. I really want to see that go up. Mm-hmm. My goal is to flip the student debt statistic in the U.S. What's interesting to me is that the statistic of how many kids, percentage-wise, have debt and don't have debt doesn't change. It hasn't changed in decades. 70% of college students have some amount of student loan debt. That can be from $5,000 to as many zeros as you want to add. Hmm. Yeah. But 30% every single year graduate Mm debt-free. Every single year. The stat doesn't change. Now, what does change is, you know, the amount of debt that some families end up with because of their choices, Mm -hmm. there are nearly 4,000 
four-year colleges and universities in the U.S. What parents need to understand, and I talk about this briefly in my TEDx talk, is that there are, there are colleges who advertise, they've got the money to advertise, and what they advertise is uh, a, a, a two or three kids holding their textbooks, chatting and laughing and giggling, and they're walking down an oak-lined path, and it's so beautiful, and the sun is shining, and everybody's happy. <laughs> they're selling the experience. But if you notice, nowhere will you find that those schools are advertising our kids get paid 5% more. Our kids get paid 10% more. They don't. Because they don't. And those oak-lined paths are at a lot of other schools, I guarantee it. <laughs> You don't have to pay seventy, eighty thousand dollars for oak lined paths. Mm -hmm. You can see that at a ten thousand dollar school per year. Mm -hmm. I guarantee it. So the problem is that advertising, marketing, parents have fallen for it. A few years ago, we had we had uh, wealthy, well to do, famous parents who got caught in a scam because they were paying for their kids to get into certain schools mm. and it was an illegal and illegal route mm -hmm. you know it's, it's different to offer i'll buy your i'll pay a lot pay for your library that's legal <laughs> what they were doing was illegal mm -hmm. people went to jail uh but what they were doing this because of quote, the prestige of the name of the schools. That prestige does not get your kid anything coming out of that school. Mm -hmm. There is no outside authority ranking colleges on educational quality or student outcomes. The ranking that people like to quote is a popularity contest. One part of the rankings, they are literally ranking each other. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's silly. And it's, think about it as a, think about it as a beauty contest where each contestant mails in their measurements. Mm. No pictures. I'm going to mail in the measurements and see who wins. That's what they're doing here. Each college sends in what their statistics are. Some of them have been caught lying. And the only recourse is that, okay, well, we're going to bump you from, this, from the rankings for a couple of years. Hmm. Now we'll put you back on. <laughs> okay. And they, uh, uh, many portions of the rankings of, of what they put on this list, they are legally manipulating them. For example, they purchase the list of kids who have taken the PSAT and the ACT and SAT exams. They will mail a postcard or a letter or an email to these kids saying, oh, you did so great. 
here's a coupon code to apply to our college and you don't have to pay the application fee. Well, what kid's not going to apply to a highly ranked college for free? Mm -hmm. This is how they get 200,000 applications when they only have 1,500 seats to fill. Mm -hmm. They're manipulating the numbers. They were the first ones to do what, what we call today as test optional. No one else knew anything about test optional except those top 10% of schools. Because they were using test optional to help them to manipulate the average incoming student test score. Mm -hmm. Because who is not turning in the test score? Kids yeah. with crappy test scores. Mm -hmm. and you can't report what you don't have. Mm. Wow. Right? So they're manipulating the data that they send in. But that's all legal and ethical in their viewpoint. So the first point is to have parents understand that, and, and I'll be honest with you, when I'm interviewing families to potentially be part of Cracking the Code to Free College, if the parent tells me my kid has to attend and they list one of five colleges that I know do not offer merit-based scholarships, and I know that the odds of even getting accepted, you know, is slim to none, uh, and they're not going to give you any money. I'm not your coach. I will happily hand you off to someone who would be a better fit because that's not the goal. The goal is to get your kid with a degree without the debt, preferably with cash left over. And I'm telling you this, what's cool about it is that it, it changes their legacy. It changes the family. Mm -hmm. sure. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an example, both of my kids, college debt free cash left over. We didn't pay a dime. Mm -hmm. So we bought a 42 foot motorhome and went full-time RVing for five years. Nice. Parents get to have fun because it's their money. They get to use it their way. Mm -hmm. You know, kids who have worked for this and have had the support of the parents, when they get out of school, they are more frugal with their funds. They're not going to be the ones that immediately buy a brand new car for 30000 or God help you, a truck is ridiculous. A house note is ridiculous, you know. But there are kids with debt who will do that. Mm -hmm. but these kids, they understand finances. They understand debt. And it changes their life going forward. And I, it's, it, to me, it's one of the best things that I can do. Yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, thank you for doing all the great work. Before I let you go, just two more questions. One is, do you have a book recommendation, either for parents or in general? Yes. Uh, I will say that Dave Ramsey has a course and a book titled about the same thing. His, uh, his personal finance book is one of the best. Mm -hmm. It really does a great job of outlining how to get out of debt, and he does a little bit about investing, but it's mostly about not having debt to begin with. Mm -hmm. He also offers a course for high school students, and I think maybe even middle school students. 
Okay. Both of my kids took his high school level course. Both of them bought their own car with their own cash after that. Wow. They raised their own money and bought their own car with their own cash. Both of them, their cars were 20 years old or more before they replaced it with another used car. Because I think sometimes parents can show, show kids the math on paper, mm -hmm. but it's coming from a parent. But when they hear these same rules about, okay, if you put $25 in an investment starting in high school and you did that every single month, here's how much money you'll have at retirement. It makes a much bigger difference when an adult who's not the parent is telling them. Mm. So those would be the ones that I would recommend. Of course, my own. Uh, <laughs> how to get how to go to college debt free is on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, but yes, definitely. Um, personal finance books are awesome, and get a variety of things and get some different perspectives. Yeah. Is your book also on Audible? Uh, it is not yet, but it is on Amazon. I do need to get it on Audible. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks just because it's easier with the schedules and everything. So, yeah, it'll be awesome. really helpful for a large audience, I'm sure. All right. So last question, where can people find out more about you? If you go to the website, either uh, getadebtfreedegree.com or getaheadoftheclass.com. All goes to the same place. Find me there and connect with me. Get on my email list. Ask questions. I'm available. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Denise. This is wonderful. I definitely, I'm so glad I talked to you because my kids are young. I feel like I haven't missed the boat yet. <laughs> I still have a chance. You're doing fabulously. And, and I'll, you know, like I said, I have, I have parents on my email list whose oldest child is eight. I actually have one whose oldest child is two, oh, so wow. you wouldn't be you wouldn't be the one with the youngest child. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Um, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me.